Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is Professor Riette de Kock, who lectures in the Department of Consumer and Food Sciences in the Faculty of Natural Agricultural Sciences at the University of Pretoria. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Amalaya. Nice to be here. I find your sector to be really fascinating. When I was doing the, the interview questions, it really got me thinking about the idea of food security and agriculture. And then as I was probing further, I saw that the World Economic Forum estimates that agriculture makes up 35% of Africa's GDP and employs about half the continent's people. So those figures immediately uh, popped out into my head as agriculture being such a vital part of our economy. And when I consider your department, its, it's positioning statement is providing relevant world-class education, training for future leaders in consumer science, food science, culinary science, and nutrition, and takes in students from across the continent, Botswana, Kenya, Ghana, Malawi, Namibia, Nigeria, Swaziland, Lesotho, Uganda, and of course, South Africa. It sounds like you've got this microcosm of the continent all in one institution. Yes, I must say, I really like our department a lot. Um, we've got such a diverse group of students and from many African countries. So you really learn a lot from students and from the continent. At one stage, I put up a map of Africa in the department because I discovered at the time that we know a lot about, you know, Europe, we know where countries are in Europe, but we do not necessarily always know where is Ghana and where is Uganda on the African continent. So this map really helped us to understand this is West Africa, this is East Africa, and that we've got 50, 55, I think it's 54 or 55 countries on the continent, very diverse um, differences in food patterns, what they eat, food um, culture, and and you learn so much, and and that's really interesting. I, I have to say, I'm a big fan of West African food. I haven't eaten enough of West African food. I've traveled to East Africa a bit, and I discovered, for example, injera in Ethiopia. And it's really one of my favorite um, meals, perhaps also the way people share a meal in, in some parts of, of Africa, which, which is part of the experience. You have a particular interest on optimizing sensory properties of food and beverages, which not only taste good, but there's also the nutritional aspect that obviously contributes to the well-being of consumers in the sub-Saharan Africa context. Can you please tell us more about your research and pick out on, on a few of the successes that you've been involved with? Yes, you are right. The, the area of my research is the sensory properties of food, so what it looks like, what it tastes like, what it feels like, um, 
even the sound of food when you prepare it or when you consume it. And um, I don't think there's there's a lot of people that will will not know that we actually do research on all those properties of the food. So I always say I've got a very nice job because I study what what food tastes like and um, I'm I'm a very adventurous eater as well. So um, when when I eat, I think about very consciously about what what the food tastes like, what it feels like in your mouth. Is it easy or difficult to swallow? Um, what are the aspects that that irritate you? Uh, you know, something gritty or an aftertaste or off flavor. Maybe the one thing that uh, limits your enjoyment of the food. And we eat with our eyes and we eat, when we eat, we often, the first thing that you think about is what the food tastes like. What is the flavor? What is the texture? Um, You do not necessarily think that I'm eating proteins or that I'm eating too much fat or, or something like that. So selling the nutritional value of food is very dependent on the experience Um the enjoyment of of food and uh, yes so i think that that is that is interesting you asked me about successes and maybe i can just go there a bit um one of the projects that we've done is on optimizing the shelf life of nutritious food or more nutritious options of food so at the moment, we're doing a project with researchers in, in East Africa where we are trying to optimize the shelf life of whole grain maize meal, for example. So most of the maize meal that's consumed even in, in South Africa is a refined version. So we remove the germ and the bran and those are the components of the maize kernel that are actually the more nutritious, that contain more protein, um, that contain some good fats. And when we refine the maize meal, we create a more bland product with a longer shelf life because the fat in the germ um, will deteriorate and go rancid faster. However, when you refine a product, even wheat, um, for if you if you think about a whole grain bread and a, a white bread, for example, the whole grain bread is much more nutritious. But the flour to make that bread also do not last as long as a re- refined product. So we are looking at um, technologies or, or ways to to um, enhance the shelf life of the product for a longer period of time, but also to keep the sensory quality. Because if the product does not taste to our liking, people will not choose it, and then they do not get the nutritional benefit. And with your work, does this happen during the processing of the the maize meal, for example, as opposed to the way that you breed the crop? Well, it's it's twofold. The the breeding can lead to different properties 
of a product. So some of the work that we've done, for example, in Ethiopia was looking at um, breeding options. Uh, so different, um, let's talk about strains. Okay. So for example, um, maize, or we do a lot of work on sorghum because sorghum is a traditional and an indigenous African crop, but different um, strains of, of sorghum can have different properties and therefore also eating properties. So it does not necessarily make for a good uh, injera or for a good, even if you have maize, some maize um, types will give you a better um, stiff porridge or a, or a pup, while others do not work so well for that specific application. So that's also part of the research that we do. We look for uh, the effect of different um, strains on eating quality of, of the products that we make from it. I think you have an awesome job and one that is developing all the time and must just be so full of experiences. But what got you into this field? What was your interest? Uh, I, I must say I did not consciously enter this field. Um, when I was a little girl and probably in high school, I was set to become an architect. I wanted to be an architect. I liked drawing. I liked designing. And everywhere, everything was going this way. I was going to become an architect. Um, and I applied to study architecture at University of Pretoria. I arrived on campus and... They told me I had to study for five years or something like that to become an architect. And at the time, I thought, well, that's a long time to study. And I decided to make a change. And I, it was in the orientation week even. Um, went to another department. And then I wanted to, dis to study clothing design. And while I was sitting in the room, I heard about food management, and that sounded exciting. And uh, in the end, I, I did my first degree in, in home economics, food management. Um, and as time went by, by the time I reached my fourth year, I became very interested in food science. I was taking a few food science courses. Um, at that time, we, we also had to do an honours, so I did an honours, and during my honours year, I became involved in, in food research. Um, I did, it was actually meat research at the time, the sensory properties of, of meat, beef in particular, and then I decided to continue in in food science, I was actually offered a position as a research assistant at the university for a specific project to develop and to study the sensory properties of processed meals that were at the time prepared for um, the military in, in South Africa. So I did a master's in food science, and from there on it was just 
my expertise in, in sensory evaluation and consumer evaluation of the sensory properties of food that, that became my career. What have been some of the milestones that you've, you've, I mean, you've shared your journey from an academic point of view, and if we think about architecture versus food, they're almost worlds apart, but both are, are incredibly uh, important to society. What have been some of your milestones that you, you, you feel have, have really been impact factors? Yes, yeah, so... I started a PhD while I was working for the Agricultural Research Council, and that was in the area of um, the sensory properties of, of meat. Um, my PhD was on undesirable flavors in, in pork, pork meat. And I was then, while I was doing the PhD, I, um, there was a position advertised at the university and it was for a meat science lecturer in the food science department. I was working in the field so I applied and um, I was lucky to get that that opportunity. So I, I became a lecturer at the University of Pretoria some 25 plus years ago and and that was actually a a highlight, I would say, because I never thought of myself as being a, a teacher or a lecturer, um, but I really enjoy working with, with students. And it's that opportunity to learn from young people, but also to shape um, young people's careers in, in some sense. You work in such a practical field. Do you think there's enough collaboration between industry and academia? Well, in my own personal um, experience, and maybe it is the field that I am in, I work a lot with industry. Um, there's a lot of need in industry for understanding of sensory properties of products that are developed. So I have a very close collaboration with, with the food industry. Um, and I really like uh, to work with the food industry because it helps me when I'm teaching to use appropriate examples when I'm, I'm teaching in class. I can also talk about experience of pro projects where you know, what, what industry really identify as, as they need. So it's essential to work with the industry and um, they, they need to be a close, close collaboration between industry and, and academics because the students that we, that we train um, end up in industry and we have to build those connections as well. So being someone who is an academic, but firmly rooted in an applied fashion within the industry space. Can you share some of your views about education as an equalizer and also an enabler for women to get ahead? Yes, well, I would say um, there's good role models in industry of students that went through um, our system, let's call it that way, that are now 
having incredible job, jobs in industry, in leadership position, management positions. So they would not have reached those positions and have that um, position of influence if they did not uh, follow a, a proper education or a, a training of um, a degree program. So the education definitely opens up opportunities um, for women, specifically in the food industry. Um, it's a tough industry. It's a very competitive industry, but women are making um, big and, and important contributions in that industry. I noticed that you're a member of several organizations. So, for instance, Vice President of the South African Association for Food and Science Technology. You represent the university as an associate member for the South African Association of the Flavor and Fragrance Industry, um, the South African Meat Processors Association, and you chair the African Network of Sensory Evaluation Research can you tell us about your involvement with a few of these structures? Yes, so SAFOS, that's the South African Association for Food Science and Technology, is really the mouthpiece for the food industry in, in South Africa. And the most of our students that graduate end up um, having positions in the, the food industry in, in various fields, quality management, um, product development, um, management in, in, in various areas in, in the bigger industry players, but also in the smaller, smaller um, companies. There's also students that start their own food businesses, which I think is really important for employment and entrepreneurship. We also find that a lot of our students um, work for companies that supply ingredients or solutions or equipment for the food industry. Um, so that's, for example, the reason why I am very involved in the South African Association for Flavors and Fragrances. Um, flavors and ingredients that that serve a functional role in food products, whether it's giving the texture or giving the longer shelf life or giving color and flavor um, is, a, is a really big industry. And a lot of our students find um, good positions in, in those related fields where they work as consultants or um, solution providers for, for industry problems and where they all are also part of product development. So, um, yes, I would say that's, that's important. So you have to be, you are part of these industry associations to be, um, to know where the industry is going, to be, um, be on top of what's happening at a specific time. 
One of the things that has come out, not just in our conversation, but also in conversations with other other women who've been on the show, is the importance of professional networks. And not only from the knowledge gain of being part of these associations, and like you said, to be at the top of your field, to be at the cutting edge, but also about forming um Forming connections and using those relationships as social capital to keep building and being exposed to newer and uh, new opportunities. What would your take be on that? Well, I'll I'll share my experience. So when I was younger and uh, you know developing my career, just starting out, I thought to to be on top of it, you had to protect what you know you had to be make sure that you know everything and don't tell everyone else what you know and I I was lucky that I discovered early on that the more you share the more you grow and the more you share what you know and the more you share who you know with others um it actually keeps you an oppor- gives you an opportunity to to go further um go f- you can go further in teams um so s- teams make you stronger and the old saying that if you are the person in the room that knows the most you are probably in the wrong room that's that's very true so I discovered that sharing knowledge, sharing experience um, just leads to tremendous growth because you learn more from others. You push others to take you further as well. So um, I I try to be a connector for, for students, for friends, for colleagues, for whoever I know, and I am not afraid to ask questions as well. So at one stage in my career, I felt a bit lonely. (laughs) You know, um, I was in a field where not so many people in in the country were working at the time. So I saw that there was a network in Europe and I applied to become a member of the European Sensory Network. And that was a tremendous opportunity to learn from um, people in the industry that, that, that knew more and that really could, could push me to develop my career as well. So for a few years, I was a member of the European Sensory Network and I attended their meetings every year and then just before COVID I decided well now I feel that I should um, contribute more to the African continent I'm I'm born in South Africa I'm a South African and I with some friends in other African countries we've founded the African Sensory Network and now we are slowly building this network um, to create a network within w- on the continent where we can share experiences and where we can also build um, opportunities and share um, the uniqueness of African food and the 
the opportunities in on this continent with with the rest of the world. So that's that's very exciting for me. That is a fantastic initiative that you're developing. And I really love the advice you've given. The more you share, the more you grow. You're listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity. And today we're talking to Professor Rietta Koch, who lectures in the Department of Consumer and Food Sciences in the Faculty of Natural Agricultural Sciences at the University of Pretoria. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Prof. Koch, besides being a, an exceptionally busy professional, very involved in your field, you also have a family. How do you juggle between career and motherhood? And what are some of your tips for, for balance? Well, I, I, I wanted it all. I wanted to have a family and I wanted to have a career. And I knew that from an early age. Um, so it, it is about balance. I am, I am uh, lucky to have uh, an understanding family and also a supportive family structure. Um, from early, early on, I think my husband and I decided that we are equal partners and that we um, can juggle careers and, and family life and also interests. So that that's been something that I did not even think about, which which I don't think everyone is is able to do. Um I am privileged. I've got two daughters. They are now grown up, but they are still in living in my house because both are still studying. And um but from an early age, they they knew that their mother is a career woman. I've I've traveled a lot. I had good family structure support to be able to to have these experiences of of going to other countries and learning a lot, attending conferences, and and really have an opportunity to share my academic and research career, um, and hopefully make a contribution as well. Socialization seems to have a big impact on children, so that the way what they're exposed to as they're growing up shapes their attitudes. I mean, that that's only natural. So asking a bit of a reflective question, do you think that you've had a, a strong influence on your girls in terms of opening opportunities for them that the sky's the limit. I I hope so. Um, actually, yesterday on my on my freezer at home, there's a there's a picture of my eldest daughter um, with my the time when I received my PhD. So she's wearing my gown and my hat, and she's probably about three years old, and. It's just something that that's been on the freezer for <laughs> for a long time, um, but she is also now pursuing a master's degree and have an interest to to be a scientist. Um, so I I think even that experience <laughs> played a a role in her aspirations. Um, yes. 
So um, I also think, um, you know, I've had an opportunity through my career and and to see many different countries um, simply to share um, research and to disseminate research. And so traveling has been a, I would say, an added bonus. Um, and I can see my my daughters are also interested to see the world because they know that that they can or you can if you through your work you can do that or through interest. So so yes, it sounds like your job is um, not really a job if I can put it that way. It's a passion. You've got food. You've got travel. You've got uh, amazing research that you do and really meaningful. Well, if you fa- ask my family, they will probably tell you I work all the time. <laughs> I think I am lucky in the sense that I really enjoy what I do. Um, it's not; it's stimulating. It's it's always I'm learning all the time. Um, there's a lot of new opportunities and. I think at times I don't even think of it as work. It's just discovery. And and that's really a, you are very lucky if you're in a position where your work really um, creates some fulfillment. As an academic, it's also tremendously satisfying to see where um, young people go and what do they develop into and how they contribute to society. So very quickly, tell us about some of the opportunities that you're finding young people are, are going into in, in the work environment. Yes, yeah, so I can I can say that um, a career in food science is is useful because it opens up so many different career opportunities. It's such a diverse field from being a food microbiologist to being involved in legislation and regulations for, for example, um, food products or labeling or, and then on the other side, also nutrition. Um, I mean, there's so many opportunities to improve or to enhance the nutritional properties of food through formulation. Um, So that's also a very important field. As I said, many of our graduates go into the fields where they are supplying the food industry, the primary food industry, with with solutions, um, whatever is used. And then if we go back to agriculture, the link between agriculture and what people actually buy to eat. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities in that value system from where all that value chain from where food is produced on farms and where it's then where it goes through various processes to to reach the the supermarket and finally the consumer as well. It's an incredibly broad field, but one which has got so, so many opportunities. 
One question that I ask all my guests on the show who've made uh, tremendous inroads into their respective fields is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed to their success. So can you share a couple with us, please? Yes, I think it's good to have mentors. So I would say in my career, I've had people that that gave me opportunities. So gave me opportunities to grow, gave me opportunities and exposure to learn. So I would say that's an important aspect. We must always, as we develop, um, or as we mature, I would say, look for opportunities to give back, to give back to to young people. And then learning from the youth, I really enjoy um, the fact that I'm working with 21-year-olds throughout my career. And you actually, it, it keeps you younger, I would say, because I can also see the development and the changes in the young people. Um, I like to ask young people what they think. Um, they they have different experiences. They have different environments at the moment, and you can learn as much from the youth as you can learn from from those that walked before you. So keep young people, give them an opportunity, give them a voice um, to learn from them and never think that you know more because you can always learn from the youth as well. So you've discovered the fountain of youth in this perpetual system <laughs> of teaching young people all the time, but you're, you're right. It is stimulating. It's enriching. It's exciting. And New generations have got new ideas, and those are going to be shaping the future of the world. I think back over my career, um, and I've been teaching for about 25 years, and the way students are learning today is very different to how they learned at the, the turn of the century, and um, that's exciting. And then you can just think ahead. Um, there's so many opportunities that that will come in the future and you your task is just to open people's views to embrace opportunities and and to take it further and lastly as we close out today's conversation and in commemoration of youth month could you share a few words of inspirational motivation that you'd like to pass on to girls and women who are listening to us today Yes, make make the most of the opportunities that come your way. Um, don't be shy to ask. Ask um, ask your teachers, ask your lecturers, um, ask them to connect you with with others. Um, ask them to open opportunities for you if they if they know of any. Um, you you cannot. You can only you can only ask and and um, who knows what will happen. You remind me of I think there was a quote by Michael Jordan, and he said something to the effect of "You miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take." So raise your hand, ask the question. The worst is that someone could say no, but they could say yes. Yes, indeed. 
So thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to host you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and we have been talking to Professor Rietta Koch, who lectures in the Department of Consumer and Food Sciences in the Faculty of Natural Agriculture Sciences at the University of Pretoria.